Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guests. Why don't you introduce us and tell us what high demand religion or cult you left behind? All right, my name is Jordan, and I grew up in the old German Baptist Brethren Church. It's an Anabaptist movement, pretty conservative and old school. It's Christian, so follows the the Bible literally and very, very literally. And yeah, they have a lot of demands on how you dress and how to worship and stuff like that. So that's a little bit about the group I grew up in. So what was it that made you want to leave? So as I was growing up, I viewed everything. It was just really like boring, very performative. It was, you know, I had this view of if I was going to be a Christian or going to do things right. I had to wear the same things that this group wore, act like they did and read the King James version of the Bible and all this stuff. And I just, I didn't want really want any part of it. So I always knew that I was never going to join. So because of that, before I, I'll explain a little more later as we get into some of the details, but before I was pressured to join, I just kind of got out of there when I was about 15 or 16. So yeah, you said that they didn't really influence the way you dressed and all that. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, and probably what might set the stage a little bit is if I, if I talk about this specific group's history, it'll explain why everything is so old school. So this Anabaptists are a group of people who back in like the 1500s, in 1500s 1600s in Germany didn't want to be with the Church of England and they didn't want to be with the Catholic Church they didn't believe in infant baptism and so they they wanted to baptize as adults who could make a choice and so they got called like the rebaptists or anabaptists and that was the point of their movement and they were getting persecuted and stuff too so they were also a big part of their beliefs were nonviolence and they ended up coming over to America in like the early 1700s, I think. But that's the Anabaptists in general. So that's Amish, Hutterites, Mennonites. So there's a lot of different people that fit the same group. The one I grew up in was German Baptist Brethren. So it's the old German Baptist Brethren. So it's like all of the splits, all the different things. I'm just in one branch of the, the tree. But if you're trying to get an image in your head, think Amish with the the women wear long dresses and the head bonnets, head coverings, and the men have beards with no mustache and black hats and that kind of thing. The one difference we have from the Amish is that um, German Baptist would drive cars and have electricity, and basically they would use most technology. They weren't really afraid of it, I guess. So that differentiates it a little bit. And then if anyone's listening and hears the word Baptist in in the church name, it has no ties whatsoever to the Southern Baptist or American Baptist groups in the United States. It's completely separate from that. The only thing they have in common is (laughs) baptism and the King James Bible. That's about it. Is this what is often referred to as Mennonites or Mennonites different? 
Mennonites are different. I'd call them like a cousin of the German Baptists. I know there's times where we would know Mennonite people, but they were definitely a different group. The Mennonites followed a guy named Menno Simons back in the 17 or 1800s. The old German Baptist brethren came out of a movement. The guy who started that was Alexander Mack. It's people following different leaders into their own little schisms, I suppose, if you will. So more of a cousin than like a brother, sister type thing. Oh, okay. But so German Baptists differ from Southern Baptists quite a bit besides the Bible and baptism, correct? Very, very much so because the German Baptist like core beliefs outside of obviously taking scripture literally and all of that is a couple things. One is nonconformity to the world. So that means do not look or talk or act like the world. So that's why they dress different and look different. They don't participate in sports, organized sports, or uh, political office. They don't run for office. They don't vote. Uh, they don't campaign for anybody. None of that. They're very removed from society in that way. And typically German Baptist communities are in rural areas outside of towns, just so they're not as integrated in town life. And that's by design, I would say. The other core belief they have is nonviolence. So that means not going to war, not killing anybody or taking any life for any reason whatsoever. So like during the World War II or Vietnam drafts, they have to register as, as conscientious objectors and take other jobs like cooking or manufacturing or something, but they would not go into combat. And the nonviolence also means to not defend yourself because Jesus said, if somebody hits you in one cheek, turn your turn around and let them hit you in the other side. So they take that to mean if somebody's attacking you, you don't defend yourself. You would never kill or hurt somebody in self-defense. And then, so nonviolence, nonconformity, non-swearing, basically you would not swear an oath. So if you go to court or anything like that, you can't swear on the Bible. If you're going to make a promise, your yes should be yes and your no be no kind of a thing. I think that's what where they pull it out of scripture. So part of that, and I'm not sure all the technicalities, part of that is why I think they don't vote or hold public office or even get involved in politics is because of that concept. And that's a roundabout way to answer your question of why are they not similar to Southern Baptists. It's because first the history of the church and the movement and all of that is very different. Southern Baptists exist because they wanted to continue to own slaves. The German Baptists were never in slaveholding or ownership or anything like that. And then the non-involvement in politics. Right now, the Southern Baptist Church and the Evangelical Church in America is very, very politically integrated. And the German Baptists are not. So that's, in a nutshell, what separates them from other Christian groups. Okay. And now, so you went over like the dress. Are German Baptists allowed to drink, have coffee? What are the rules there? Yeah, coffee and tea and all that's fine. They differ from Mormons in in that. You can eat whatever you want. There's no restrictions around diet. Alcohol would be not approved. I know people drank alcohol, but never together, never socially, was never talked about. So for the most part, no alcohol. And I would say that even the elders and deacons or pastors would not drink alcohol because that would be part of the restrictions. I think somewhere in First Timothy, it says that 
an elder pastor is not given to strong drink. So if you were going to be voted in as an elder, you would not be allowed to drink. Or I, I don't really know how that gets enforced, <laughs> but um, I, I think it's a little different from Mormonism in that the control over diet. So now, how long ago did you leave? I left when I was like 15. So this would have been, I'm trying to think. (laughs) So the church split again in 2009. And so you had the old German Baptist Brethren Church, old conference, the old German Baptist Brethren Church, new conference. And I left with my sister. She was an actual member. I was not. And I left when she left in probably 2008. Roughly. And what I mean by member is just because you're born doesn't necessarily into this group doesn't necessarily mean you're a member because of the baptism. You know, as an adult, you have to make a choice, a conscious decision to get baptized, accept Christ, become a member, and all of that. And so I can go in a little bit of that because it is a big deal to become a member. So between the ages of 13 to 18, you're expected to make that choice. I would say there's a lot of probably a lot of pressure put on you to, to make a choice. And you are expected, obviously, to become a member because that's what your family is, what your community is. So to become a member, you notify the elders or something, let them know that you want to become baptized. So they'll come over to your house and talk to you about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to become a member of the German Baptist Church and all that stuff. Make sure you're good with it and you understand it. Talk to your family. And then that all baptisms happen on a Sunday. So everyone knows this Sunday is a baptism day. We're going to, you know, be baptizing and welcoming a new member of the the group. During that Sunday service, they cut it a little bit short. They ask the potential member and their family to leave and shut the doors and stuff. And then the head elder will take a vote or basically ask the congregation, is there, does anyone have any reason why this person should not be accepted as a member? And they walk through and, the elder walks through and points at each baptized member. And if they, if they'll accept, they like nod their head, I think is what happens. I've never seen anybody get denied, (laughs) I suppose. But so then they'll bring the family back in after everybody votes yes. And they will say, okay, you know, you're good. You can become a member. And so they'll talk a little bit more about all the things, what it means. And then everyone drives to a spot on the river or a pond or whatever locally. And they go out and do full immersion baptism, so three times, and they ask three questions. Do you renounce Satan in all his pernicious ways? Do you swear to, or not swear because they don't swear, <laughs> do you agree to, you know, the this nonconformity and not looking like the world and acting like the world? And do you agree to like nonviolence and all these things? You say yes, you get baptized. And, and at that point, you are a member. So you wear the uniform, you there's probably a lot more that goes on with being a member, like communion. Communion is a big thing. You cannot partake in communion if you're not a member. I think you probably are expected to tithe at that point. I, I'm not really sure on that. I was never pressured to tithe. And then the other thing I haven't mentioned is <laughs> when the German Baptists read the Bible literally, as I've mentioned so many times. And so part of that is when it says the women need to have their head covered, they say, okay, women have to have a head covering. So they wear their the bonnets. And part of that is also Paul says to greet one another with a holy kiss. And so 
German Baptists will, when they greet each other, same sex will kiss on the lips. So they shake hands and kiss on the lips. And uh, so the women kiss women, men kiss men. I've never seen any (laughs) greeting of the opposite sex this way. But so when you're baptized as a new member and you come out of the water, you greet all of the members, you know, of your congregation with the holy kiss. So everyone sings hymns as they go through and greet you as a new member. And so if I would have been baptized, for instance, I'd come out of the water and I'd shake hands and stuff. And each baptized member male that walked through, I would kiss on the lips. Interesting. Yeah, and, for sure. <laughs> and now when you've left, because you mentioned that they live in like more rural areas, are you, do you live in a big city now or are you still like in a rural area? In the same location. I've moved into town now. I used to live out in the rural areas before, but it's not a huge town in our state. So. Okay. Do you ever see yourself moving to a big city or do you like this kind of quieter area you're living in? I'm married and I've got a couple kids and I've got a job here in town. So no, I don't see myself moving away. All of our family, my wife and my family is here in this town. So Nope, we'll be here forever, probably. Very fun. And now you mentioned that they don't drink. So have you, do you like to have an occasional drink or do you still stay away from that? Nope, I drink. Yep. Yep. And my family grew up drinking too. So it's not like we were the best German Baptist. (laughs) Like I said, it's not encouraged or allowed or even, but certain families did drink. You just, don't really talk about it and stuff like that. Probably the bigger thing, the the more control they have is about media. And that's probably the moat where I've changed the most coming out of the this high demand thing. German Baptists do not have TVs in their house. Most of them do not have radios in their car. They take the radios out so they don't listen to any radio, no movies, no nothing. Uh, a lot don't they don't read comics or even secular fictional books. So growing up, we never had a TV. We would watch an occasional movie if we were in a hotel or my grandparents on my, my mom's side were not German Baptists. So every once in a while over there, we'd get to watch a little bit of TV. And our family was kind of the, a little more of the black sheep family. We had a radio in our car, so we would listen to local like Christian stations growing up. But most families wouldn't listen to music. And so having grown up that way, and now we watch all sorts of movies and TV shows and music and our kids listen to music. I took my daughter to a rock concert at the fair this summer. You know, that's definitely nothing that my parents would have taken me to. So now some religions, they discourage education. Was that discouraged for you or is that something that they push for? I think overall, yes, education is discouraged. Mine wasn't because my mom, you know, pushed education and college and stuff. She was a nurse, so she had also gone to college. And, but for the most part, most families would say no, because they live in rural areas, most of them are farmers, most German Baptists. And I grew up farming in a farming family. And, you know, I, even if even being farmers, like my parents still kind of pushed a college education just because you never know. 
But for the most part, I think most families would say you don't need to go get a college degree. First off, going to college would be, it's a secular thing, taking you away from our faith. You don't need that to farm. And most people are just farmers or general laborers, handymen type of thing. I do think there's a, for most of the men that I grew up around in German Baptist, there was a significant, you know, they didn't trust education, number one. Number two, it was looked down upon. Like, why would you go get some degree to go sit in some office at a desk all day? That sounds miserable. I'd rather be out here hammering nails and boards or sitting on a tractor shoveling dirt, you know? And it was just that kind of a good old boy, like, I'm a redneck, I'm getting work done kind of a mindset, and you're just going to go try and type away on a computer, you're not working. And, uh, you know, I don't want to put everybody in that same thing, but overall, yes, education is extremely discouraged. And, and that goes for even the ministers. They would not go to seminary or get any formal training because, in their mind, the Holy Spirit provides all interpretation of scripture you need. So you don't need to go, you know, get formally trained in any of it. Okay. And now, as far as religions go, are they, is German Baptist a heavy patriarchal society or? Yes, extremely. Men go out and work six days a week, obviously rest on Sunday. No work's done there, but the women are homemakers pump out as many babies as you can. Very, very discouraged from getting jobs. Like, why would you go get a career? You know, the young women will like, you know, between getting a boyfriend, getting married and having babies, they may go clean houses or take on a little job like that or something. But for the most part, once you're a mother, you would put away any work, outside work aside, and certainly not any career aspiration type of thing. And then, yeah, men lead. So obviously no women preachers, no women holding any sorts of power. And as the Bible says that women are to be submissive to men, that's it. Like the man leads and that's the way God made it. And it's the way we take it, I guess. So now you obviously left before you were an adult. So did you go get an education? Did you marry someone outside of the faith? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I got, I have two degrees and I work in technology now. My wife also has a degree, although she is a stay-at-home mom now to our kids. That was a decision we both agreed on. I didn't want to, you know, have that be something like, well, this is what I expect of you. You know, we talked about it before we got married and what we wanted in life and stuff. And then the other part of the question, what was that? Oh, outside the faith. No, so after I left, I'd started going to a non-denominational evangelical church. That's where I met my wife. And uh, we'd left that recently, but I would not say I married someone outside of the faith, just outside of the German Baptist community, for sure. I mean, from their standards, I might as well have married somebody from the world, you know. Okay. And so what made you, obviously you said that you went to a non-denominational evangelical church what made you want to leave that recently covid and their political leanings over the past four or five years it's definitely been you know alarming to see over the past four or five years and then covid was kind of the thing that broke the straw that broke the camel's back for me and i've done a lot of deconstructing since then but i was there for 10 years almost Okay. 
Yeah, actually, no, a little over 10 years. Yeah. And how has it been for you leaving that one? I would say it's harder because that's where all all of our friends are. It's where our families still go. My parents have also left the German Baptist Church, and they started going to the same non-denominational church that I was at. So they're still there. So basically, all of our family, like everyone, all of our siblings, my wife's siblings, Oh, okay, my one of my brothers does go to a different church, Southern Baptist Church now. But yeah, everyone else still goes to that same church that is very, very like anti-mask, you know, like anti, like any of it. Kind of like a lot of QAnon conspiracy. I don't know if you're familiar with the QAnon conspiracy that's going around right now, but uh, a lot of that happening. Very, very, very pro-Trump still. Oh yeah, I know that the Mormons are. Yeah, they're they're in the same boat with. I mean, the elders came out and said, "Hey, get vaccinated." That's what the Lord told us to tell you. And then they're like, "Yeah, no, we don't believe you. We're not getting it." Yeah, that's like Mormons. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's weird. The past few years have been weird. So. What are three tips you have for people looking to leave a high-demand religion or cult? Well, I mean, you've got to know something's wrong, obviously. And then, you know, it's hard. It's not the end of the world, though. For me, one thing I looked at was if you think logically about all the traditions and the rules and the rituals and the performative stuff, and you look, take a step out of that and you look at it and you're like, have we missed the point of religion, the point of spirituality, the point of living life? And once you can take that one step outside to look, not from within the community where everyone's telling you everything's good, but you look outside the community and say, how do we actually look? I think that can help make the decision a little easier, but I don't. When my sister and I left, we were the first ones to leave the group. My siblings were all too young and still with my parents and stuff, but we had friends say some pretty nasty stuff. And even when my parents left, people didn't treat my mom very nicely. And it's unfortunate, but it wasn't like a Jehovah's Witness leaving where their family straight up shuns them like they, they're not even going to talk to them anymore type of thing. Or I know Mormons, it can be even more intense for them to leave. I can't really speak to that. So that's definitely a harder thing. But for me, it was just taking that step outside and going, Hey, I think we missed the point here. <laughs> let's go. Let's go find something else. Well, that are great tips. And now is there anything else you'd like to add before we are done for the day? Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about what the communion process was like for the German Baptist, because it's way outside what most high demand religions do. So the, they call it love feast weekend and it's, once a year for each congregation, they call them district. And so in our state, there's two or three districts, I think. And so once a year, each one does communion and or love feast. So people will come from the other districts to your district to be a part of this. And it starts Friday. So all the families come in Friday and they all stay at each other's houses. So growing up, we always had three or four families in our house sleeping on mattresses or foam stuff so it was a lot of fun because usually we had families with like people my age and stuff and 
we always got to play and hang out and it was a lot of fun. But Saturday, Friday and Saturday, they're like getting stuff ready. So Saturday morning they have church, but then they're also like cooking a lot of food and like getting the building ready and all that. And then Saturday evening from 6 to 10 p.m. is the main communion portion. And so it's four hours long was this communion service. If you were not a baptized member, you didn't really participate, but kids, just kids or everyone else that were expected to be there and just sit and watch. So it was pretty boring for kids. My grandma would make like little goodie bags and stuff for us. So that helped. But so they would do the last supper together. So they would eat boiled like beef and stock and then a bread or a, a soup from that beef stock with cut up pieces of bread. So it's like soggy bread soup. It's weird. And so they would eat together in silence as the in remembrance of the last supper. And then they would do the wine, they would pass the wine around. So it would go from one person to the next. And it was a very slow process because you've got, let's say a hundred or more men in a room they're each, they take a drink out of the cup and say something to the next member and pass the cup along. And so you just go all the way around, make its rounds. And then they do the same with communion bread. And then they also pass the holy kiss too. It's kind of weird. So it's just each member kissing the members beside them. When you're in it, it's just normal. It's just what you do. When you look at it outside of it, it's like, okay, this is weird. And then they would also do feet washing as, you know, Christ example or whatever during the last supper where he washed the disciples feet so they do that and as a way to humble themselves and say no one's better than the other and so that was the whole four-hour thing i'm sure there was a couple other things i'm missing but it's really long and then the next sunday they have several services one early morning one one normal and then they have a big meal that you have to have two sittings for because there's so many people and it's tons of food and stuff and then i think there's a lot of like youth group activities and stuff throughout the day. And then everyone leaves Sunday night. So it's just a really intense weekend of everyone getting together and being in community. And that's one thing that is probably the hardest thing about leaving a group like that is that intense community that you just don't get anywhere else. Mormons probably have the same thing where you're part of an intense community and you have things in common and you're like, you know, everyone outside of Mormonism is outside of us and we only have each other here within these, you know, walls. And so then you leave that and other non-denominational churches don't have quite that tight knit set of rules around who they are and how they behave. And so then you don't really tend to get as close to as many people. And uh, that's probably the hardest thing about leaving a group like that, but it's still, it's not worth your freedom. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said there. Yeah, and then there's a whole other story, obviously, about deconstructing evangelical Christianity for Mormons. It's a little different, but politically and stuff, it's the same. Where <laughs> thinking about how they've taken the Bible and interpreted it wrongly <laughs> and taken it and placed it at much higher importance than it should have been. There's a lot more story about leaving or deconstructing those beliefs that I'm, I'm not going to say it's harder, but it can be a heck of a process as well. Well, thank you for coming on and have a great day. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us today. 
As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.